and two. Okay. Is that me? That's the pulpit. Yeah. Man, it means I can't walk around. It is still absolutely a trip to think that when the music stops, y'all just stop. <laughs> it, really, it, it really does crack me up. Well, we are so glad that you are here this morning to worship the Lord with us. Um, don't mind our little technical glitch, but the bottom line is, is it's not a surprise to God, and we're here to worship him anyway. So, in the book of Matthew... We read, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. This is the second Sunday of Advent. So will you stand with me, please, as we continue singing songs that foretell of Christ's coming. desire of nations by 
And then two verses, good Christian men rejoice. Sing it with me. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give ye heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Man and beast before him bow, and he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born together. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now we need not fear the grave. Jesus Christ was born to save. Calls you one and calls you all to his everlasting home. Christ was born to save. Christ was Father, we thank you for the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ was born to save. Father, as we prepare ourselves for Jesus' second coming, we realize that as we do these Advent functions, they were to remind us of the anticipation, the prophecies that were made and fulfilled all in our Savior. And so, Father, may we relinquish ourselves to you and your power this morning. May we get ourselves out of the way so that your Spirit can lead and guide and teach each one of us. May we give you the praise of our lips, our hearts, and our minds, and our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. How have you always imagined the birth story of Jesus? Did you have a nativity set? What does it look like? Join me for the Prepare Him Room virtual event to experience the Christmas story like never before. As we dive into the historical and cultural context of Christmas, we'll be invited to intentionally make space to see Jesus amid the holiday rush. And in the end, we'll discover that the Christmas story is better than we've ever known. Join us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior and embrace the true meaning of Christmas. I'm excited to see what your nativity might look like after our time together. Prepare him room this season. Your heart will never be the same. Good morning, church. It's so great to see all of you this morning. If this is your first time visiting Anastasia, we would love to get to know you, and we'd like to connect with you. And there's a couple ways you can do that. You can go out on the atrium and go to the welcome desk, and someone would love to answer any questions that you might have and, and help you fill out a connect card. If uh, you'd like to do digitally, we have that set up for you. We have a platform. You can put the phone number in, 904 441-6900, or you can take your smartphone and take a picture of the QR code, and that will take you right to a drop-down menu, and you will see a place there if you'd like prayer, have a prayer request, or if you'd like more information in the bulletin, uh, you can do that as well. We have so much 
there that you will cannot miss, I encourage you to look at the bulletin. Even during the week, if you're like me and you want to check it out digitally, you can do that by doing the, the, the phone number or the QR code. So with that said, I'd like a couple announcements. The Prepare Him Room video that you just saw will be this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. December the 13th in the Christian Life Center, which is right across the atrium. We invite all of you to come. She will be sharing with you about the nativity, and we have teamed up with Life, Lifehouse, and they're going to be some Christmas songs with us together, and then we're going to watch a teaching video. So I encourage you, um, all are welcome. Even you guys, we want you guys to come and hear about the nativity, so I'm looking forward to seeing you. Also, next week, right here in the sanctuary, come and worship. Our choir will be presenting a presentation to you in both services and I can't wait to hear it myself. Uh, it will be a beautiful message, and you will hear it from, from our choir. And one more thing, in your bulletin, you will see our Christmas Eve services. And Christmas Eve is what day? Sunday. So Sunday morning, we will have one service at 1030, and then the afternoon, 130, 3 o'clock, 4.30 and 6 p.m. So you have four different services to choose from. I encourage you, bring your family, bring your friends. Come spring Christmas Eve. Make that a tradition. My family has done it for years. We always have pizza, and my daughter always says, can I open one gift? And I say, yes, but remember, Jesus only got three. <laughs> Just saying. Have a Merry Christmas.
Amen. Mary, did you know? Take a moment, just welcome one another as Sam comes. You guys are excited to see each other. That's good. That's a good thing. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. I got a few of you guys with me. Good morning. Merry Christmas. There we go. All right. That's much better. Hey, my name's Sam Thickman. I'm the teaching pastor here. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I want to introduce you to a very special couple in the life of our church. This is Herrick and Laura Smith. 
and I'm excited they're joining me up here today to tell you a little bit about a really important ministry that's going to be kicking off here in January. It's called the Reengage Ministry, and this is a marriage ministry, but it's really a whole family uh, targeted at the whole family ministry. And this is an incredible ministry. It's not new to Anastasia as a whole. Our 16 campus has been doing it for a number of years and just have seen the incredible amount of fruit that has come out of this ministry. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a marriage ministry, uh, discipleship-based that looks to really come alongside uh, marriages and give them a biblical, solid foundation and is to work ahead of the challenges that we will face in marriage. Because if you're married, you know that it's not just a matter of if we will have challenges in the marriage, it's just a matter of when, right? And so we want to be centered and founded. I heard an amen over here. That's good. Centered and founded on Christ's principles. And so, Herrick, I'm excited that y'all are launching this ministry. It's been a prayer of mine to see it come to Anastasia here at the island. And so... Um, I'm just excited to what God's. Can you tell me a little bit uh, how you guys got involved with Reengage Ministry? And about, yeah, and a little bit about yourself as well. Sorry. Absolutely. My name is Herrick Smith, and this is my wife, Laura. We've been married for seven years, and we first came to Reengage at my prompting. We were in a little bit of a rocky place, uh, but I knew Paul and Nancy Moore were the leadership, and that was enough for me to for me to trust uh, and be willing to try it. Now, by the time we got a chance to try it. Uh, Paul had since passed away, but the leadership now, Sid and Elizabeth Meichler, are of a similarly high caliber. Yeah, so to put it lightly, uh, skepticism was my first uh, emotion when Herrick asked me to go to re-engage, for sure. I was the one that they had to hard sell it to. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, I just didn't know how I felt about being vulnerable and uh, do we really need that? And, you know, kind of those common maybe questions or pieces of resistance. Um, and so uh, when we finally did, I did agree to go to re-engage, the two first weeks we, our family got COVID. So I got out of it for one more semester. <laughs> and the, <laughs> but the third semester the, was the charm, you know, um, Herrick uh, suggested we go again and I agreed. And I'm so grateful that he did because the ministry has helped our relationship so much and, um, you know, our parenting and it just is so applicable. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, and another question here, but it's just, I really encourage you wherever you're at in your marriage that you can get something out of it. Yeah. So I know you guys did re-engage uh, semester, not once, not twice, but three times. You liked it enough that you did it three times. Tell us a little bit about what you learned and why, why was that so valuable to do it more than really one time? Yeah, um, it's a 14-week course. Um, it used to be 16, but now it's 14, so it might sound like a lot, but when you look at the calendar out of 52 weeks, that's uh, a little blip on the map of what you can put as far as investment into your marriage. Um, and then, you know, as far as time commitment in a week, you meet for an hour and a half and there's maybe 20, 30 minutes of homework. So as far as that goes, um, it's, it's worth the investment. And then um, just like as far as the curriculum goes, it's set up by topical, topical weeks um, throughout the curriculum. And my biggest takeaway was an analogy kind of based on rocks. You know, in your garden, you might have some landscaping rocks, and they're beautiful on the surface, and you know how to work around them. But if you look underneath of them, there's all this weird stuff growing down there. And that was every content area in the curriculum was like a rock in our marriage that we learned to go around, not disturb, and it was fine. And each week, turning over a new rock in our relationship and finding out that there's a lot of work to be doing. Um, so they ask you at the end of it, what are you gonna do so you don't lose the progress you made? And we just keep coming back with a scrub brush 
and work on those rocks in our relationship. All right, so who would be your, your, your target audience? I mean, is this for couples who've been married for a few years or 15 years, 20 years? I mean, who would you say your target audience is? We are rather exclusive. Um, it's only for people who actually care about their marriage. Um, and we're offering it the 9 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. So, for example, if you have kids or if you regularly attend this service, you can attend and then attend service as well. Uh, and child care is provided for the whole time. Even if you're a member of a life group that meets at the nine o'clock hour and the life group is a bunch of married people, bring the whole life group. Uh, we provide the curriculum. All you gotta do is show up. Yeah, on the life group note, um, even if you're a life group of married couples and you wanna do that together, um, we will commit to finding a way to keep your group of couples all together. Um, unless you don't want to. Unless you don't want to. <laughs> uh, but, but I just encourage you, in addition to what he said, um, just imagine the depth of intimacy, whether you are a life group and getting to know other couples or you're just coming in as an individual pair. Um, the, the intimacy that can grow um, and just that opportunity to be transparent. And if you think your um, marriage is like on a scale of one to 10, a one or a two, you want to move it to a two or a three, this curriculum can meet you there. But if you think you're an eight or a nine, maybe even a 10, I promise you it can be a stronger 10. Like there's, there's just so much growth opportunity. The curriculum really meets you where you're at. Um, and then I also um, wanted to specifically speak to couples who think, you know, oh, we, we have had our troubles, but we're in a good spot now. Um, I would still encourage you to pray about um, being in the ministry involved, even just as a participant, because you can have such a huge impact for the kingdom. Think about what you can pour into other couples who, who haven't learned those tools yet. Um, it's been something we've been the recipients of that's been really amazing. So I just challenge you to think about it from all angles. All right. Any, any parting words before uh, we, we conclude here as far as remarks about re-engage? Um, I'll just share that when we enroll, they ask you to rate your marriage. I don't know if you've done financial peace. They say, like, how much debt do you have at the beginning? And we'll look at it again at the end. They kind of do the same thing. Like, where do you rate your marriage on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I lied, and I said a 4 because I was scared to write a 3. <laughs> um, and Herrick also rounded up to a 8 um, instead of a 7. So... Um, but we are happy to say three semesters into it, we, our numbers are much closer. I think we're at a six and a seven, respectively. So um, just even that little piece, you know, like not being on the same page as far as communication goes, um, it just provides opportunity for intentional conversation. And uh, I learned this from one of the leaders out there at the 16 Church. In a room this size, it's easy to feel kind of singled out, but you are not alone. You're not alone. Even though you, know, you may look across the aisle and not know everybody's name, in a room this size, people have struggled with alcoholism, sexual abuse, marital infidelity, same-sex attraction. Like The statistics are all there. And two of the things on that list apply to our marriage. So we will commit to being tenaciously transparent and helping share the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. Well, we're excited for Herrick and Laura, and they have a table out in the atrium. And so if you're interested in being a part of it, uh, you can visit that table, get an information schedule, or in your bulletin, there's some information. There's a QR code that you can scan, and it'll take you to a registration link that will get you uh, logged in and ready to go. And, uh, but uh, can we just give Herrick and Laura a round of applause? And we're so excited um, for them.
And before they, before they go, what I want to do is just take a minute to, to pray over them this morning. So will you join me in just praying over them? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for hearing, Laura, stepping out in faith and trusting you. God, we're believing in this ministry. We're believing that you're going to do incredible, incredible things through them. So, Lord, we just pray blessings on them, and God, that your power would work boldly in marriages. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. Amen. Let's give them one more round of applause. We appreciate that. Just a couple quick things. One is, uh, thank you so much for your partnership as a church. Uh, a part of what you give and what you tithe goes to fund our marriage ministry that comes alongside marriages in crisis that need help. So thank you for your participation and, and your faithfulness in giving. Uh, if the Lord has led you to give this morning, just a reminder, two different ways that you can do so. You can use the giving box out in the, the vestibule or in the atrium, the silver giving boxes, or you can do so online. But we appreciate and we value um, your participation in giving and your commitment to this church. Um, I want to shift gears just a minute. Uh, this morning, we are in for a real treat. It always amazes me to see in our church the depth of God's gifting that he puts in place here. And one of those individuals in our church who I just see tremendous gifting is Chad Walters. And Chad's going to be bringing the message this morning. Chad's a pastor, and he's pastored uh, in areas of Florida and Indiana. And, and so we're, we're so grateful to have him this morning. He's going to open God's word, and I know that you're going to be blessed um, beyond uh, just... Chad's calling and gifting, uh, I consider him a dear friend and brother in Christ, and so I'm excited. Will you help me welcome Chad this morning as he comes to share the word? Well, good morning, church. I am only the fifth person that's had you say good morning, correct? And I'm sure about five people in the lobby also said good morning and shook your hand as well, right? Well, we do that because we are happy to be here. I will tell you that this crowd is very exciting to me. Um, I heard people using Kevin's name. I heard people like talking back. And that is the kind of church service that I love to preach from. We're a church, we're a body of believers, we're brothers and sisters. So feel free to just engage as much as you'd like during this service. Uh, as you know, we are on a sermon series called Kings of Christmas. Now, I am the lucky pastor that got King Herod. The king, the king, right, the man who did not want a toddler to take his throne. Now, you think about that for a second. Any guys here afraid of toddlers or babies? Okay. <laughs> this is why I love this crowd. The 8 o'clock was just as much fun. There were less, but just as much fun. So keep it up. Anyway, this king did not want Jesus to take his throne. And I don't know about you guys, but I know when I was growing up, my dad was a pastor, and, you know, as we're growing up, you know, five, six, seven years old, we, we have the same Christmas stories, correct? We hear those stories from pretty much uh, October 31st to New Year's. <laughs> Am I right? Go to any store. They're playing Christmas music on November 1st. But one thing that I remember more about the holiday season than anything was this character that my dad spoke of one Sunday morning is, is my brothers and I, us really, really um, behavior pastored children that were required to sit on the front row every single Sunday and stay awake. 
my dad was a pretty funny guy, so he kept it interesting. But I remember the Sunday that I was sitting down front, wide awake. It's Christmas. We're excited. The church is decorated. My dad's in a good mood for once. <laughs> and uh, he really went into detail on this king named Herod. And what I learned, like, it blew my mind. From that point on, and I'm probably eight or nine years old, any time I thought of the Christmas story after that, I pictured a big bad wolf. I don't know what you guys picture when you think of King Herod, but I know one thing's for sure. We all in the room know that he was set out to destroy Jesus, wasn't he? He set out to kill a very young child. Now, for me, that saddens my heart when we think of this, this season and, and how blessed we are, but the message today is going to be about the power. It's going to be about the power of heaven and the power of our God and the power of King Jesus. Today, we're going to look into the issue between King Herod and King Jesus, but before we do, let's pray over the reading of the word. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the early service and, and what you did there. And God, we know that it's only the Holy Spirit that speaks through us as vessels, as people, as Christians. God, I just ask the Holy Spirit now to speak to those who need to hear what you've laid on my heart, God. Make it all about you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture today is in Matthew chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. If you have a paper Bible, you might want to underline that today. It said he was troubled. And all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he acquired, inquired of them where this Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so it has been written by the prophet. And now you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means last among the rulers of Judea. For from you shall come the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men, secretly ascertaining them what time the star had appeared and sent them to Bethlehem saying, go search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may go worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose again before them until it came rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child, to destroy him. Now, everyone in the room, by the raise of hands, has everyone heard that passage of scripture? Has everyone almost memorized it in the King James Version? Right? A lot of us grew up, that was the only Bible. We're using the ESV today. However, there's a lot of translations, but I can tell you, most of us have heard this message. Most of us have heard these verse, verses. In fact, I know people that do not believe that Jesus is the son of God. They've also heard these verses. Isn't that amazing? 
Here's what we're going to talk about today, though. We're going to talk about the problem between these kings. The King Jesus, the one we believe in today that is king forever and eternal will be king, and a King Herod who no longer exists, all right? So since we've pretty much heard the story, one thing that's not in the story is any detail of this King Herod. Now, what I love about the Bible is everything in it is true, right? Everything in it is good. There are bad people like King Herod, but I can tell you, Good always wins in the Bible. The power from heaven always wins. Depending on your situation right now, the power of heaven can come in, swoop it up, and fix your situation today through the power of heaven. King Herod was not the kind of king that most people would think through a lineage or a family or handed down. And I told the the service at 8 o'clock this morning, it's like when you're setting up your will, there's certain people that are going to get certain things. It was very similar in that time with the kings. The kings would just wait for that, the next one to die and the next one to die, and they would see in their lineage, I'm lined up to be king. King Herod was nothing like that. You see, King Herod became popular among men. Do you know any people like that in your life? They spend every single day being, becoming popular with men and women in their lives, acquiring more and more friendships, more likes on Facebook, King Herod was very much that person. King Herod got very popular because he was a good warrior. He was a good planner. He was a good builder. He was smart, but he was a very bad man. You see how it's funny? So we can see a world of power today, even on the island. We meet people. We meet wealthy people. We see people that have homes at the beach that we just cannot understand how you could possibly have a home like that. Listen, there's good wealth and there's bad wealth. King Herod was bad, and he was bad to the bone. It's known that he even killed some of his wives and children. So do you think it was like too much for him to go kill a bunch of babies he didn't know? No, this didn't bother him a bit. But I wanted to lay out some of the the groundwork. So King Herod in his late teens and early 20s became very popular to Rome. Rome chose a lot of times, a lot of things back in the day, and they also choose kings. So what they did is they chose Uh, King Herod to be governor over Jerusalem at the age of 26 years old, very young. A lot of wars, a lot of things. He looked great on paper. You know what I mean? By the age of 36, he was appointed king of Jerusalem. By who? Rome. Now, there were a lot of people that followed him. They followed him because he was a great builder. He made the city look lavish. He made things look pretty. A lot of people followed him for the simple fact that he was smart He was vindictive. He got a lot done on his terms, but he did not know the true king. I think it's funny that um, someone with so much power would choose to go after a toddler, though. If you have all that, what would you be worried about with a toddler? Even if they grew up to be king, I mean, you got to think it's going to be in, what, 20, 30 years from that moment? He didn't become king until he was 36, but he was so worried about it. And the reason he was worried is because all he had was earthly power. He had no heavenly power. He did not believe God. He didn't even know what the scripture said about Jesus arriving. It's interesting, isn't it? This king with so much power, afraid of a toddler. So in your notes today, in um, the first point, you're gonna see uh, great earthly power brings neither peace nor security. Peace nor security. Herod had no peace and he had no security. 
Even though he had tons of accolades, do you know any people like that? They just, they can't do anything wrong. Every year at the end of the year, they made more money than they did last year. You know what I mean? Do you know any of those people that also come to you many times asking you to pray for them? Have you seen a lot of people in your life that just, they're, they're always in a downtime and they're always asking you to come around them and, and you, for you to listen to their story and how you can come up with a, an idea or a way to help them? It's so cool that the power of heaven is within us. The true power in this life only comes by recognizing Jesus as king in our own lives. But the more I think about this, the more I think, well, we all go to church every Sunday and we sit in these sermons and we listen to these, these sermons and week in and week out and we don't miss services and we give and we do all these things. But there's, there's a, a fundamental fact that we have to understand today going into 2024, this power that is available to us, we have a choice to accept it and believe it. Or we have a choice to reject it and just push it away and do it our way for 2024. How many people would say, I'm gonna, I've got a plan for 2024. I know exactly what I'm gonna do for 2024. Nobody in here has a plan, that's awesome. Man, if this was a motivational speaking seminar, you'd all get, you'd all get fired. <laughs> Nobody has a plan for 2024. Well, we have a choice to make in 2024, don't we? Well, after we have a choice, everybody has a choice, right? We have a choice. Do we want to watch the debates or do we not watch the debates? Right? How many people watch the debates? Ooh. I'm going to tell the 8 o'clock service that. One person in the eight o'clock service raised their hand and was honest that I actually watch it. It's crazy, isn't it? A lot of power on that stage, isn't there? A lot of power, a lot of know-it-alls. A lot of people that they know it all, they have all the answers. Ask them anything. They actually argue over each other who gets to talk more. You know what I want to hear? I want to hear somebody say in 2024, we're going to bring God back to our country so we can show that the real power is, Right? So we have a choice. We all have a choice, right? We also have a decision to make. We have a decision to make. So there's a choice. Follow God's power and wake up in the morning, get on our knees and bow before our holy God that is powerful and, and brought Jesus to a virgin Mary or do it our way, right? So we have a choice, but then we have a decision to make. Paul told the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter six and verse 10, put on the whole armor of God. He did not say, put on a couple pieces, see how it works out. Did he? Listen, what's really cool about Ephesus and what's really cool about the book of Ephesians, if you've never read it, jump in. This was the church that Paul loved the most. Why did he love them so much? Well, because they listened. They did things. They loved him. They fed him. They gave him money for his next travel. But he spent time with them. He wanted them to fully understand you can't do it on your own. And none of us can, can we? It doesn't matter how much power we think we have, how much money, how much clout, how much this, how much that. It doesn't matter. The power in our lives as a body of believers comes from heaven. Amen? So we have to choose and we have to believe that. It's funny, as a Christian, a lot of times we say we're believers, right? I believe in God. 
but do you believe God? See, that's, that's the real question because there's a lot of Christians running around St. Augustine right now. They believe God, but they just don't believe he has the power to change the situations in their life. They just don't. They want to. They want to, but they don't understand it's a decision. We have to do these things that the Bible tells us. Well, Paul wasn't playing games when he said, put on the whole armor of God, because we need the whole armor of God in our lives. We have to wake up in the morning, we have to think about, how do I want to do this? I told the eight o'clock service in in the morning, the first thing I do, and and I try to do it every day, but usually it's at dark 30. Guys, you know what I mean? Women, anybody get up at dark? And you're like already in the car, right? It looks like nighttime. We're not supposed to be working yet. Do you know what I do at those times? That's when I go, God, direct my day, cover me, protect me. I don't have it. I'm just going to be really transparent with you, church. I don't don't have it. I'm not that good. We all have a little bit of that pride factor. We don't go around saying, hey, I'm super pride, check me out. But we have a pride factor that stops us from making the choice to bow before God and, and put the armor on in the morning but we need to, don't we? We need to. See, there's an anointed mindset and there's an earthly mindset. And I don't know about you guys, but have you ever had the earthly mindset just take over and like three days, four days later, you're like, whoa, God, what happened? I just was like totally carving out my spot in the world for the last three days. And you you check yourself, don't you? You check yourself. And you say, God, I want an anointed mindset. Holy Spirit, speak to me. See, the Holy Spirit is defined in the word of God as our reminder, the one who reminds us. But again, we have a choice to listen, right? I want my power to come from heaven, don't you? I don't want any earthly power. The power of heaven will change your life and it'll change other people's lives. And that's what's important. Watch what it says in verse 13. Very short little piece of this verse. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared. An angel of the Lord appeared. Do you see where the power came to save a small child? It didn't say it came from assembling a bunch of people together to figure out what they're going to do. Joseph, what are you going to do? There's someone coming to kill your baby. He didn't do that. The angel of the Lord appeared. The power came from heaven. (laughs) It didn't come from checking in with your neighbor It came from heaven. Heaven said, don't worry, don't worry. Real sustaining power in our lives comes from God. And so I asked the service at eight o'clock this morning, I said, why is it important? Who cares, right? We're doing a sermon series on the kings of Christmas. So Pastor Chad, why are you talking about power so much? I spoke to Sam after... Uh, maybe last week or the week before after the service, I actually walked down and caught him at the door because I just wanted a couple seconds. But as he started the sermon across the hall, I was just listening. And the one thing that ties together all of these sermons on kings is power, the, the word power. And, and what I noticed that is life-changing, the power that we're talking about with these kings, it's earthly power. It's earthly power. If you get a minute, uh, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, uh, do a little study on, on how Herod died. I heard a few of you. Maybe, maybe you already know. I'm not bringing it up today. I don't, 
I don't think it fits in the sermon. But he's gone. And our God is very alive. Our God is very alive. One thing I like to do uh, when I talk, especially to, I see a lot of faces I don't know, um, is I like to be transparent from stage. I think a lot of times people come to church or they go to an evangelistic uh, revival, whatever that is that you do, maybe even a motivational speaking where you just feel like you're being spoke at, talked to, trying to train you, tell you something you didn't know. But I try to be transparent. See, it's crucial that our churches teach the power of God over this earthly thing that we battle with on a daily basis. And we all do, right? I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a missionary. Listen, it comes in and it goes out and we ask God to forgive us for those thoughts. Why God? Why, why is this happening? Why can't I, you know, buy groceries for my family? I'm serving you, right? The power of God, it comes from heaven. The power of God takes care of us all the time. I can tell you a time in my life that is um, very, um, used to be very emotional. It is not emotional anymore. In fact, I'm very proud of it. And as many of you uh, have gone through things in your life, you probably understand. On the back end of the tragedy comes the victory, right? Now, during the tragedy, we don't even talk to people. I'm not about to talk about that thing going on in my life. Well, I had a season in my life years back, where um, God humbled me. He, he didn't take power from me, but he allowed situations in my life to become powerless, right? I don't know where your power comes from. I don't know if, if you're just one of those people and all your power comes from God and, and you lean in and you are up in the morning and you are doing the book of Ephesians and you are putting on the whole armor of God. But I can tell you this, all of us have been through something, right? I guess my prayer is that we all come out of the other side better. Maybe we've learned something. Maybe God spoke to us deep down in our souls and we will be changed forever from it. But I can tell you this. God left me powerless in a point in time in my life. And during that season, mm, I don't think I even prayed much, Sam. I think I just talked to God. I wasn't really praying I was kind of like shouting a little bit, you know? You ever been there? God, you see what's going on, right? And it's been going on for a little bit too long. It took me a while, but I figured out what God was doing. He allowed things occur in my life. He allowed situations in my life happen so that I found myself in my own mind powerless so I could see his power. And everything changed after that. Everything. Number two in your notes says, no one can prevent God's plan from being carried out. Any of y'all do public speaking in here by the raise of hands? Anybody do public speaking? I know Sam does too. All right, so two or three. Have you ever had a clock on the back wall? Walter, Sam, and I have all talked about the clock. Sometimes there's just so many things you want to unload about a special series like Kings of Christmas that, that you just, there, there's so much bottled up inside. When I heard that I was going to get a pick, the king that I got to do, I, 
I wasn't even, I, I was at a BMX tournament with my son and Walter called me and he spurted out really quick, a few kings. And I said, I want Herod. And he just puzzled, says, Herod. I said, yes, I want Herod. Okay, awesome. The king who didn't want Jesus to rule over him. I said, yes, I got it. I got it. I actually, we're on the phone. I tell him, I already have a sermon. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I, just, I got it. King Herod, power, Jesus, the ultimate power, right? I was so excited, so excited. So anyway, what happens to us, we might study a little too much for that one. It's a Christmas service, but you know, it's, it's about the kings of Christmas. If you don't hear anything today, hear this. There is a power in heaven within you that cannot stop God's plan. I don't care what's going on. I mean, I do care, but whatever's going on in your life, it can be kids, it can be work, it can be just between your ears sometimes. Nothing can stop the power of God. No king, no president, no government. God is ultimate power. Another passage that I really like, and I'm going to go really fast, is um, in the chapter before, in verse 18, you got to hear this. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When the, his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit from heaven. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, uh, resolved to divorce her quietly, but considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared, angel of the Lord from where? Heaven appeared in a dream, saying to him, Do not fear, take Mary as your wife, so that which, uh, which she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that Joseph didn't leave? He still was there, he stayed. Why did he stay? Not because he called his brothers to tell him what happened, but because he listened to heaven. It was the angel of the Lord that spoke to him. See, situations in our lives, situations in our lives, when we lose power, we think we've lost power, or we just are moping around like we lost power and we really didn't lose any power. We find that we'll retreat, right? Ever buried your head in the sand and go, oh, it'll just go away. I'm gonna hide from it. I'm not gonna answer my phone. This week, I'm not gonna do it. I think it's interesting that even Christians today can go, yeah, I've done that. And in my mind, it reminds me of someone named King Herod. King Herod was worried. He was panicked. He called together his posse of people, right? He called together a, a bunch of people. It even says that the whole Jerusalem was flipping out about this, that he was gonna lose his power. Yeah, it says when Herod heard this, uh, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Number three in your notes, Superficial loyalty does not impress people or God. I love that one. And here's why. We know that superficial loyalty doesn't impress us, right? We've all been, born, we've all been burned a few times. The people that say they're going to be there are the first ones that don't call you. Am I right? Mm. You have to go search them out and be like, hey, where were you? I was going through a tough time. It doesn't impress God either. Our power here on earth has zero relevance in heaven. God knows where all the power lies. But we have to choose where to draw our power from. We have to choose where to draw 
our power from. I'm going to close with one last verse, Matthew 9, verses 21 through 22. There was a woman, she had been sick for 12 years. I'm sure most of you know the story. She was an outcast. And she was as bad as a leper in some regard. No one wanted to be around her. Can you imagine 12 years shunned by everyone around you? Seemingly powerless on earth, (laughs) right? I mean, sometimes we feel powerless for a week or two. This woman was powerless for 12 straight years. There was nothing she could do about it. There was no earthly power. No one was helping her. Listen to what she did. She said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. 12 years, powerless, cast out, and she was made well. The same power that healed this woman is the same power that chose a virgin Mary to birth the Son of God. This power is from heaven, amen? The same power that resurrected our Lord and Savior from a borrowed grave is the same power we have access to today, amen? It's also the same power that's going to take you out of the situation you're in in your life today. The power of heaven has the ability and the power of heaven is greater than any king that's ever been on earth. Lastly is God wasn't intimidated by Herod or his earthly power. And God is not intimidated by the situation or situations we're going through in our lives. Isn't that good to know? Heaven is not up there worried about your car payment. Heaven's power is the ultimate power. So as a church body, I would love to challenge this church, the entire church, to focus on the power of heaven over our earthly situations in 2024. Wouldn't you? Can you imagine if we all did that? I mean, just for a week, it'd be pretty cool. Because a lot of times when people see you doing things that don't make any sense, they see you going through a hard time, don't they? Everybody sees it because everybody's nosy, right? But wouldn't it be cool in 2024 when they see it, you go, yeah, but God's got it. I'm not going to worry about it too much. I know where my power comes from because I have chosen to connect to that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you how it speaks to us. God, we thank you that it does the speaking for us. God, we're amazed by your power. We're amazed by the things that you you take us through in our lives, the things that have been there, the things that are in our rearview mirror. God, we thank you so much for making us stronger. God, help us to rely only on you in this coming year, God. Help us to understand that this holiday is, is all about the power of you, the power of heaven, and the one King, Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. our time to a close, I'd ask that you would stand and Pastor Sam and Chad or down front. If you have any concerns, things on your heart that you need to share, they'd be glad to to help you through that. If you would like more information on membership here at Anastasia, they can help you with that too. Use this time uh, to come down front as we sing. Let's sing together, O Holy Night. Oh uh-huh.
Father, may we please you this week as we proclaim your power and glory, starting with our, within our own lives. Father, may that spill out over into this lost and dying world. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing on that, by power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in dismissed. Mm -hmm.